0: Welcome up to this podium, one of our very own this morning. We have asked Jason Stubblefield to preach the words to us this morning. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, as the applause shows, many of you already know Jason and Judith Ann. They serve on staff of the Campus Crusade for Christ. And this year, Jason did something a little unique. He's splitting his time between campus ministry and serving us as a church, as an intern. From the very beginning, Jason and Judith Ann have really just jumped in to church life here at Palm Vista. What so struck me about Jason was really his, his passion, his zeal, his desire to serve in the church. I remember several months ago when I first asked him if he would consider leading the usher and the greeter ministry wasn't sure how he would respond to that request, and he said these words: "Man, I love to." And I thought that's—I just love that response. You know what? He meant it, and he has jumped in and served ever since. Not only in the usher and greeters leading that ministry, also helping serve with our singles as well as our guest follow-up. And both Jason and Judith Ann, as a couple have continually opened their home and hospitality. From the day once, they've been up here living in Miami Lakes. It is joy to see them serve. So with all that in mind, Al and I, how, how appropriate to have Jason come up and speak to us today, particularly on the spiritual gifts and the service to the local church. So Jason will be speaking from Romans 12, 3 through 8. Jason, I'd like to say here at Palm Vista, you've got home field, Advantage So Jason, where are you? Come on I'm up right here. here, buddy.: Right there you're your dead. Like, great. Yeah Jason, we trust that God is going to use you this morning, He's going to use his words. We've been praying, and we are in anticipation of what the Lord is going to do. We are for you. Go for it, buddy,, Thanks, Corey.:
1: <clears throat> Good morning, Palm Vista. <laughs> Stubblefields dearly love you guys, and uh, it's a privilege to be a member of Palm Vista Community Church. It's a privilege for me to serve you this morning with the preaching of God's Word. As Corey said, our text is Romans 12, 3 through 8. It's chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. You can uh, look at your Bible now in that, or we might have it on the screen for you. But I'm going to read that for us, and we'll jump right in, Okay? <clears throat> having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Well, friends, as you know from the past and experience this morning, Corporate worship here at Palm Vista is glorious. During this time, some folks are jumping up and down with joy. Others are on their knees, overcome with thankfulness. Some remain still by their chairs, smiling radiantly. Others are clapping their hands with tears in their eyes. Some are praying with fervor, and others are standing in awe with arms reaching up to heaven. No matter what different way we may be reverentially expressing our worship to God, one thing is for sure. We are all being built up in our faith as we consider together the glorious work the Savior has done on our behalf. And right now, I'm standing on stage, arrayed with all the musical instruments we use during this time. If you look, you'll notice we have an extensive assortment. There's an acoustic guitar, bass guitar, keyboard, drums, congos, bongos, chimes. Each one, distinctly different from each other, Yet each of them are musical instruments we use here. As members of the body of Christ, friends, I want to say this this morning. We too are instruments that God is calling to serve here at Palm Vista. He too wants to use us. We are God's instruments, and Romans 12, 3-8 is the sheet music he's given us to play. Okay? And here's how it reads. Think rightly to serve faithfully. Think rightly to serve faithfully. This is God's burden for us this morning. I believe he's calling Palm Vista to this. So, instruments, let's tune in closely. Let's make sure we're all reading the music correctly and are playing the right notes. Some of us may need to wipe off the dust or even change a few strings. Others of us may even need to identify which instrument we are. No doubt many of you deep down want to glorify God. Regardless of your condition this morning as an instrument, the fact is that you are an instrument if you are a member of the body of Christ, and you do have much to offer. All of us need to pray, so join me now in doing so. Father, we are gathered here this morning to bring you glory as recipients of your sovereign grace. We draw near to you by grace alone, And we ask for your spirit to advance your word deep into our hearts, that it may accomplish what you intend for it to us, for it to in us today. May it direct persuasively our emotions, our aspirations, our inclinations toward a greater desire to see you glorified in our lives. May it present afresh the gospel to our souls, that we may rejoice and be glad in you. And may it be used to make disciples this morning, Father, please excessively grow our affections for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. Let's jump right in. Look again at our text, and let's read verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Straight away, we see that God has a certain way He wants each of us to think about ourselves this morning. He exhorts us to have a particular mindset operating in our lives. There's a default attitude he has assembled us to orient our minds to today. It is a way of thinking that is right in his eyes, and he wants us to align our thinking with it. And what is this way God wants us to think? God wants us to think rightly. This is the first note on our music sheet. Think rightly. Think rightly. So what does that mean? If God wants me to think rightly about myself, then I need a clear definition of what that is. Here's what it means. Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought, but instead think with sober judgment. Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought, but instead think with sober judgment. That is with accuracy. However, we can't just read this and play this note, right? We aren't tuned for this. The last thing we need to do is try to play a note where we're out of tune. It doesn't sound good to others. More importantly, it doesn't sound good to God. So, how do we get tuned in? Where do we begin? Our text tells us that right thinking must find its origins in the gospel. Right thinking must find its origins in the gospel. Look at the end of verse 3. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Each of us are to think of ourselves according to the measure of faith God has assigned. Now, from my study, what Paul seems to be referring to when he uses the phrase measure of faith is a standard measurement, not an amount of something one person may have more or less of. And so, what is the standard here Paul is referring to? The standard is the faith that we as Christians all have in common. It is our faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying, think of yourself according to your faith in Jesus Christ. Douglas Moo writes in his commentary on Romans that, It is that faith which believers have in common as fellow members of the body of Christ that Paul here highlights as the standard against which each of us is to estimate himself. We must first get in tune with the gospel if we are to authentically play this note. We are to think of ourselves according to our faith in Christ. Are you doing this? Are you doing this? As many of you know, Judith Ann and I recently became mommy and daddy of a brand new baby girl. And we want to teach her these truths. And so we're thinking about the scripture, we're reading books, we're talking to our pastors and their wives, home group leader and his wife. We need as many helpful resources as we can get. One helpful resource we recently came across is a children's book. But you see, it's not only to be enjoyed by children, it has a very powerful message for all who read it. It's called Full Moon Rising. And it begins with a little boy praying to God. And he prays this. Dear God, I heard a cosmic story and wondered if it's true. The moon was stealing glory and this is what he'd do. He bragged each night that his great might could make the darkness flee. And like a kite, he scaled the heights and said, hey, look at me. The pompous moon would only croon the songs that praised his name. He hoped that soon the cosmic tunes would bring him greater fame. He bragged that he could cause the sea to rise and swell each day. Then all could see how mightily he pulled the waves away. He saw his pride, and then he cried for all that he had done. For he had lied when he denied. His light came from the sun. So now each night a new delight is what he loves the most. Reflecting light with all his might, the sun is now his boast. So God, I pray for grace each day to find the joy that's true in all my days and all my ways in making much of you. So we see that the moon began thinking rightly when the rays of sun pierced its heart. It was thinking itself of itself according to the sun. And this is what we are to do as well. We are to think rightly by thinking of ourselves according to our faith in Christ. That's how we are to see ourselves. Now, How does our faith in Christ specifically give rise to right thinking of ourselves? What certain truth does it tell us that helps us demonstrate right thinking? How does the gospel help us demonstrate right thinking? Well, here in our text, Paul draws our attention to it. Look at the last word in verse 3. Our faith in Christ was what? It was assigned. It was assigned. Now, the word for assigned here means to be made part of something. And so Paul is saying that God... If you have faith in Christ, made you a part of Christ, of the body of Christ. We are members of the body of Christ. This is how God wants the gospel to tune us into right thinking about ourselves. He tells us that by it we are members in the body of Christ. And for any of us to become a member, we know know what? We needed God to assign this faith to us. Apart from this assignment, we are not members. There are no other requisites for membership. There is no other way in. We can't be good enough or know enough of the right people. We cannot make ourselves worthy enough for membership in the body of Christ. But God makes us worthy enough by assigning faith in Christ to us. The body of Christ is not something you join or sign up for. It's something you are joined to or assigned to. And even on a local level, if you're a member of this church... Yes, it's because you decided to join, but long before you joined the local church, God joined you to his universal church. Therefore, Paul says this, don't think more highly of yourselves than you ought. Are you tuned into this? Has God assigned faith in Christ to you? Are you a member of the body of Christ? Do you believe that your sins against God require punishment and that Jesus Christ received this punishment on your behalf when he died? providing forgiveness for all those who trust in him? If you're not a member, dear friend, then you're not just out of tune, but you're playing the entirely wrong music altogether. Can you hear it? It's the screaming of eternal discord with the endless harmony of heaven. It's the racket of never-ending hostility toward God and his people. It is the how of undying refusal to worship Christ with your life. Are you playing this music? If you are, please stop. Please stop. It's not pleasing to God, and there's there's nothing about it that sounds good. Instead, friend, pray to be tuned in to play the glorious music of the cross. Ask God, cry out to God for faith in Jesus Christ, and turn from your ways and live to the beat of the Savior's drum. It's time, and some of you know it's time. Now, Christian, why are we being exhorted to think of ourselves more highly than we ought? What's the deal with this exhortation? Scripture teaches that it's because we want to think the exact opposite. You can jot down Romans 1, 18 through 32. We want to think the exact opposite. We want to think of ourselves higher than we ought. Our natural inclination is to think everything revolves around us. That's why millions of copies of books that reinforce this are being sold right now. They tell us what we want to hear. Listen to what one book called The Secret, a bestseller in recent years, tells us about ourselves. The earth turns on its orbit for you. The oceans ebb and flow for you. The sun rises and sets for you. The stars come out for you. You are the master of the universe. You are the perfection of life. Now, unfortunately, such beautiful words are not directed toward God, but toward us. And we buy in, don't we? I mean, we have no trouble playing these notes. We are well-tuned for this. I know I am. Like many of you, I just returned from a marriage conference. Had a great time. While there, I was made clearly aware, aware by God That there's a lack of mercy I extend to my wife in our marriage when things don't go how I want them to go. When my clothes aren't ironed like I want them to. When I'm not apologized to like I want to be. When my loving wife doesn't know what she's cooking for dinner that night and I'm denied the right of having an opportunity to look forward to that all day. (laughs) You see, I believe things go best when they go my way, therefore they should go my way. All the time. So yeah, I need to be exhorted to think rightly. I need to be told not to think too high of myself. All of us do. Christians, the fact that God assigned faith to us should totally curb such pride. It should totally curb such pride. The Gospel tells us we should abandon arrogance because it is offensive to a holy God. And abandon, He abandoned His Son on the cross for us because of the stench it truly is. Let me just commend you, Palm Vista. I believe you really excel at not thinking more highly of yourselves than you ought. So much so that it cannot go unnoticed by those who have been here for many years and those who have been here for only a short few weeks. But let's not get too comfortable with ourselves. None of us are immune to the peril of prideful thinking. Pride is always lurking close by and it wants to spoil everything. As John Stott says, at every stage of our Christian development and in every sphere of our Christian discipleship, pride is our greatest enemy and humility is our greatest friend. So, Palm Vista, let's continue to make every effort not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought, that humility may abound, pride may be restrained, and Christ be made much of here at this church. Well, as a church member, as a member of the body of Christ, as one who God has assigned faith Two, our membership should prompt us to think rightly about ourselves in two ways. See, our membership should prompt us to think rightly about ourselves in two ways. First, membership indicates our need for one another. Look at verses 4 and 5 with me. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now, as members in the same body, we do not all have the same function. Which means what? We need other members in the body of Christ to function in order for the body to be healthy and grow. This informs how we are not to think too low of ourselves. No member is more or less necessary here. We all need each other. This is imagery that reinforces how we should appropriately see ourselves. This is what right thinking looks like. The picture of a body of Christ with many members is so helpful for us to see this. Look at the human body. What if the mouth decided to stay closed and not take in food for nourishment? What if the feet said, That's it, I'm not taking another step? What if the shoulder joint stopped functioning because it wanted to be the ear instead? What if the esophagus said, No longer will I connect the stomach to the throat? You see, if members did not function, the body would take a nosedive. Pardon the pun. See, it can really be harmful for the body's health and how it grows. And guess what? The same is true for the body of Christ. The same is true for the body of Christ. We are made to depend on one another for the overall health of the body. Were you greeted this morning when you came inside? It's because I had to depend on another member member to fill my role for me today. Are you able to hear me through our audio system? That's because others are working hard to ensure it's working properly. You see, membership, friends, reminds us that we're not God. We can't be everywhere at once like He can. We can't rule the universe like He can. We can't make everything go how we would like it like He can. We need others to help us. Okay, We need others to help us. If you think you can be a member, a part from functioning from other members, then you are not thinking rightly of yourself. If you can be a member apart from functioning with other members, then you are not thinking rightly of yourself. Do you hear yourself playing this? Are you, are you seeing yourself as a member who needs others? If not, then you're either failing to believe you're a member in the body of Christ, or you're really not a member of the body of Christ. See, membership without depending on others is like faith without works. It's, it's just not true membership. It will only cultivate wrong thinking, which will lead to an ailing body, and it will not prompt us to think rightly about ourselves in the second way, which is we have gifts to use. We have gifts to use. Membership indicates we have gifts to use. Look at verses 6a. Verse 6a, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. Let us use them. See, having gifts helps us to serve faithfully, okay? Which is going to be our second point. That's the second note we need to be playing. But I just want to pause and say this we can't serve faithfully unless we're first thinking rightly, okay? So we make sure we need to make sure we have that straight. We can't serve faithfully unless we first think rightly. Now, if you're a member, you definitely have a gift. At the moment of salvation, when the Holy Spirit comes to live within you, He brings with Him a gift. Jot down one Corinthians twelve four and eleven, and one Peter four ten, for your study later. See, God has assigned faith in Christ to us to function as part of Christ's body. We are, as the sermon title says, saved to serve. Don Whitney says this, When God calls his elect to himself, he calls no one to idleness. God has given you a spiritual gift, and it's not a natural talent. This is a spiritual gift. It's biblically defined. You have You're positioned with unique abilities and capacities that inform how you're to function in the body of Christ. And his purpose for giving you gifts is for you to use them. God wants us to believe this truth, friends. Why? Because all the living parts of the body of Christ should be working and fulfilling their God-intended function. If God assigned you faith in Christ, he made you a member of that body of Christ, and he did that so you would be fulfilling your, your function in the body of Christ. There are no ungifted Christians. God's grace is common to all believers. And so his purpose for giving you gifts is for you to use them. God wants us to believe this truth. I recently read a quote by Ben Franklin that said this, Hide not your talents, for use they were made. What's a sundial in the shade? Friends, like the sundial, we weren't made to be used in the shade. We were made to be used in the Son, in the body of Jesus Christ. We were made to serve faithfully. Do you believe this is true about you? In the Academy Award winning film based on a true story, Chariots of Fire, one of the two main characters is Eric Liddell, a Christian man from Scotland who ultimately died as a martyred missionary in a Japanese prison camp in China during World War II. But he was also the greatest athlete Scotland had ever produced. As the story develops, Lidell's sister Ginny becomes worried that his training for the Olympics will turn his head from going into the mission field that he planned for following college graduation. Finally, he has to explain to her why he continues to pursue the Olympics, where he eventually won a gold medal. Jenny, Ginny," says Eric," says Eric, as he grasps her gently by the shoulders. "I believe God made me for this purpose, China, but when he made me, he also made me fast." And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Friends, God has given us abilities to use. And so like Eric, let's believe him and use them for his glory. Let's serve faithfully with them at this church. See, serving faithfully is an indication that you've received grace from God. Therefore, Paul doesn't just stop at, let us use our gifts. No, he goes on to give apostolic guidance by providing for us a list, a sample of gifts For us to look at. And he goes on to describe what they should look like. When being used. Look at verses 6b through 8. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in his generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. see. Paul knows, as he tells us from his own experience in the first part of verse 3, that once God has been at work in you, you want to work for God. Once God has been at work in you, you want to work for God. Is that your desire right now? Do you want to serve faithfully in the body of Christ? If so, God is saying to us this morning, hey, here's some gifts I give members in the body of Christ. And that's not all. Here's how you use them. Prophecy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is defined as this. In human words, telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind to build up the body. In human words, telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind to build up the body. It's not predicting the future. It's not powerful preaching. It's not speaking with authority equal to the words of Scripture. And thus, adding to scripture as Old Testament prophets or New Testament apostles did. Wayne Grudem describes it this way. Paul is simply referring to something that God may suddenly bring to mind or something that God may impress on someone's consciousness in such a way that the person has a sense that it is from God. Or that a sudden thought was accompanied by vividness or urgency or persistence or in some other way that you have a clear sense it is from God. Either way, prophecy is a clear demonstration that God is definitely at work in our midst. And so how is it to be used? In what? In proportion to our faith. In proportion to our faith. The Greek word for proportion here is analogia, and it's mentioned that because it's from where we get the word analogy. So Paul is saying prophecy, prophesy in a way that is in agreement with your faith what faith? It's the same faith faith that he referred to in verse 3. It is our faith in Christ. Okay, so this means this. John Stott says, this means that the prophet is to make sure the prophecy does not in any way contradict the Christian faith. So prophets must assess what they are saying against what the scriptures say. This is how you're to prophecy. We see this gift operating here at Palm Vista, don't we? It's a wonderful way for God to demonstrate he is at work in us. Well, do you have this gift? If so, are you serving faithfully with it? Service. What is service? Service is the ability Christians have to do any work on behalf of others in order to build up the body of Christ. And how is it to be used? In what? In our serving. Which means in a way that agrees with the true nature of the gospel. In a way that should not become an occasion for pride. In a way that should instead become an occasion for heartfelt sacrifice for others. Friends, serving is helping others move. It's giving rides home. It's helping others paint. It's giving specialized advice where needed in the church, like medical, financial, technical, or even legal. It's making sure all audio and video equipment is properly working for church Sunday morning. It is making a middle school building look and feel like a church when you walk in by setting up signs and carrying tables, moving other furnishings like giant bookcases to where they need to go. It is translating this sermon into Spanish right now as I'm speaking so our Spanish-speaking members can benefit from the preached word. It's looking for any way you can assist others in doing it. The ladies from my home group powerfully used this gift to bless my family when Judith Ann was in the latter stages of pregnancy and needed to be off her feet more. For weeks, they would come to her home and take turns cooking us meals and cleaning We have all benefited in similar ways, haven't we, here at Palm Vista? Serving is very powerful and necessary for our health as a church. Well, do you have this gift? And if so, are you serving faithfully with it? Teaching. What is teaching? Teaching is the ability to explain Scripture and apply it to people's lives. This gift of teaching is the ability to explain Scripture and apply it to people's lives. And how is it to be used? In our teaching. Meaning, it's to be done in agreement with the truth of the gospel. Where do we see this gift functioning? Children's ministry? Palm Vista Institute? The Proclaimed Course? Christianity Explored? Do you have this gift? If so, are you wanting to serve faithfully with it? Exhorting. Exhorting means urging Christians to live out the truth of the gospel. We're in verse 8. Urging Christians to live out the truth of the gospel. And how is it to be used? In what? In his exhortation. Meaning, in agreement with the truth of the gospel. This can look like coming alongside somebody and encouraging them to live out the truth of the gospel. We all need this. In a fallen world, who doesn't need to be reminded to live out faith in the gospel, the truth of the gospel? I was exhorted Wednesday night in our men's home group by our home group leader, to apply doctrine to my life. He said this, guys, we will never own or understand a doctrine unless we apply it to our lives. Some of you are just exhorted. Do you have this gift? If so, are you serving faithfully with it? Contributing. What is contributing? Contributing is sharing what personal material belongings God has given to you to help meet the needs of others in the church. And how is it to be done? The one who contributes in his generosity is to be done generously, meaning without grudging or without ulterior motives. In sincerity to the gospel truth. Two weeks ago, our singles ministry had our annual garage sale to help raise money for the next 2010 conference. Members in our church generously shared their home with us by hosting the garage sale. Okay? Do you have this gift? And if so, are you serving faithfully with it? Leadership. What is leadership? Leadership here refers to, it's referring to the New Testament allusion to leadership in the church. It's referring to those who we are to esteem highly. That's when Thessalonians 5.12 says. These are our elders, our pastors, Alpino and Corey Smidgen. And how are they to lead? With what? With zeal. Meaning with, with great energy. As a man who's recently experienced the the work of sermon preparation. I look at these guys and wonder, how in the world do you get anything else done? (laughs) And not just get it done, but do it with excellence. They serve with zeal, folks. Indeed, they are to be highly esteemed. Acts of mercy. What are acts of mercy? An act of mercy is to provide provision for anybody who is in need Or in distress. Orphans, widows, handicapped, the sick, and dying are a few examples we see in Scripture. And how is this to be done? Cheerfully. Cheerfully. That is, not reluctantly or in a way that is patronizing. 94 displaced orphans from Haiti are going to be housed at his house here in Miami Lakes. They need people to donate food, clothes, and other necessities to help care for these orphans. Now, I know this because two ladies in my home group made me aware. See, they want to help provide provision. They are are exercising acts of mercy. Now, there are many more gifts we see in the New Testament that Paul does not list here. This is just a sample But the point is this, if you have been saved as a member of the body of Christ, you are called to serve as a member in the body of Christ. This means that if we have been made a member in the body of Christ, universal, we need to be serving in the body of Christ, local. So, are you doing this? Are you on stage in the body of Christ theater, playing your instrument? If not, why not? Why not? Do you have stage fright? I know I do standing up here. (laughs) But it's totally worth it. Are you thinking that you don't have much experience? That's okay. Look at me, neither do I. (laughs) That's true of every member of at least one point in their life. We all have gifts. Why would we not use them? Now before I answer that question, I want to touch on a couple caveats. First, There are some of you here right now who may be in a season of life that restricts you from serving how you would like to. Maybe you need to find a job right now. Maybe you're experiencing sickness. Maybe you're, you're looking for a church right now to join. Or maybe you need to focus right now on getting your home in order. This is certainly understandable. And there may be some of you here you really want to serve, but you have no idea what g- your gifts are. <laughs> Man, I want to I go for it. I'm here, I'm a member, but I don't really know what to do. Well, in this case, there are several things you can do to help discover your gifts. First, you can just begin by doing some self-examination. Ask yourself, hey, what interests or desires or abilities do I have? You can, be, you can ask, hey, has there ever been any serving?" I've done in the past that's really blessed others. And if so, maybe you could begin to explore there. You can ask your friends and family for advice as well. See if they can help point you in a direction. Really, the best way to go about this is just to jump in a ministry we have here at Palm Vista and just start serving. See where God brings blessing. I love this quote by J.C. Rao. It is often in the very going forth that God will meet you. In all of this, I encourage you to pray and ask God for wisdom. He made you. He assigned you faith in Christ. He joined you to a member of the body of, as a member of the body of Christ, and He's given you a gift. Pray to him, ask for wisdom. These are reasons that are certainly understandable why you wouldn't be serving. But regardless of if you can serve right now, what God is saying to us this morning is that serving faithfully should be your default attitude. Serving faithfully should be your default attitude. It's a product of a renewed mind. It's a product of right thinking. It should be your default attitude. And friend, if that's not your mindset this morning, then you know why? It's unbelief. It's failing to believe you are a recipient of the grace-giving gifts. Unbelief can take many different forms, can it? It looks like not. Looks like thinking your gifts or lack of gifts are related to your Christian maturity. It can look like assessing yourself as more or less important than other members in relation to their gifts. It can look like believing yourself to be more or less spiritual than other members in relation to their gifts. Paul really had to address this in the church in Corinth. It can look like not using your gifts for the good of others. Others don't need me. They got it covered. I'll just wait till they ask for my help. This can look like not using your gifts out of lack of zeal. I don't feel like gathering provisions to take to the displaced orphans. I'd rather watch Sports Center. That's me. This can look like not using your gifts out of pride. I only really encourage others when they encourage me to. All of these are results of failing to believe we are recipients of God's grace-giving gifts, friends. Now, by God's grace, I really sincerely do want to commend you again, Paul Vista. I believe that we are believing. We are believing that we are recipients of God's grace-giving gifts. But unbelief is waiting for an opportunity to knock us out of tune, isn't it? It's always there. It's always tempting us to not believe that we are recipients of Grace. So like Paul, let's not forget about the grace given to us as we see he began his letter with such a reminder. Let's continue to appeal to God for help with this. Let's take this to our home home groups and apply it. They are conducive contexts for us to serve faithfully in. When closing, I'd like to read to you a complimentary piece of sheet music that God composed. It, too, has much to say about who we are and why we were made. It's found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. We read a little bit of that earlier. Chapter 2, 8 through 10. It reads like this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Can you see what it's saying? You have been saved to serve. You've been saved to serve. So instruments, tune in, grab your sheet music, and let's make a joyful noise here at Palm Vista. May it become so loud that others fill this auditorium because they want to hear more of it. Pray with me. (laughs) Father, we, we are overwhelmed that you would save us. Oh God, help us. Help us as your people, as those you have signed faith to, as those you have joined as members to a body the body of Christ. Help us to believe that. Help us to see that. Oh, Lord, help us to think rightly there so that we will then use our gifts so that we will then serve faithfully in this church. Lord, all of us, deep down, we really want to do this and we need your help. We must depend on you just like we must depend on others, Lord. We can't do this apart from you. May you do this work here at Palm Vista. Do this work here at Palm Vista, Lord. We pray, we pray in Jesus' name according to His will and His purposes for His people. Amen.
2: Let's stand together and uh let's let's apply this initially by singing a song that, that we sang earlier that, that speaks of joining our voices together with the multitudes, and it's The song entitled Everlasting. And if you would please put the bridge up there to that song on the uh, screens. This bridge of the song Everlasting says, And our voices join with the thousands who know mercy because of the cross. All sinners washed in your precious blood. Forever we will sing. Folks, we have been saved to serve. Let's sing this song in faith. And then let's ask God. Father, how can we serve to your glory by your strength to fulfill the very reason we were called? That is to be members of the body, displaying the glory of God who came to serve us. So let's sing that song together, Everlasting.